0: What's up, guys? Welcome to Watch. I'm Christian Clark, the Pelicans beat writer for Noel.com and the advocate here today on a cold Friday morning, uh, the morning of the Drew Holiday regular season return to Smoothie King Center with Jeff Nowak. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm good. It's a holiday holiday. It is a holiday holiday. That, <laughs> that one preseason game didn't really count. It, honestly, it doesn't even feel like this one should count that much. I mean... I guess there will be you know somewhere in the ballpark of 1,500 fans there, but it just it's just not going to feel right. I mean, Drew's not going to get the reception that he probably deserves. It's just going to be kind of awkward, I think.
1: Yeah, I think the fans are going to be in the upper deck for the first time this season, uh, so that's kind of fun. But I do wonder how many of those 1440 will actually be there because uh, they didn't really give any notice until – Wednesday, (laughs) which isn't exactly um, ample time to prepare to uh, go to a Pelicans game when they already struggle to get people out to the games anyway. And you have to wonder how many season ticket holders are even paying attention to their emails to get those uh, notifications. So the upper decks will probably still be barren, Uh, I'd uh,
0: I'd anticipate, but who knows. I've described this season a couple of times as both a marathon and a sprint. I mean, it's it's 72 games and they're basically playing every other day. Um, they have their first back-to-back of the season this weekend. I mean, th- just the pace of it is pretty crazy. I mean, it, it almost feels like I, I cover baseball. I mean, I guess obviously not quite because that's every day, but it feels like I'm a baseball writer. And it, it just, it's just hard to have any juice uh, when you know there are no fans in the arena and they're playing all the time in these mostly empty buildings. It's... I mean, I'm I'm just like trying to get through this year, basically. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, happy to have the job. It could be a lot worse, but uh, it's just it's just such a weird, eerie feeling right now.
1: Yeah, it's hard to react to anything. Like, it's hard to it's hard to watch a game and kind of make assessments and make uh, decisions and analysis and stuff off of that game, knowing they're coming back in two days. And well, what you have to switch into uh, kind of build up mode. Ramp up mode for the next game before you're done kind of processing the previous game. Uh, and I think that's not only true for people covering the team and people watching the team, it's true for the players because they don't have the time to do it either. The Pelicans suddenly had a couple of days to do that and they looked like a much different team. Granted, it was against the Wizards, who will make a lot of teams look very, very good, but they did a lot of things in that game that I hadn't been seeing them do in previous games so regardless I thought that was encouraging because they really kind of took it to the Wizards even though they let them creep back into the game there
0: so yeah today's show we're going to do a little uh, a st- stock or stonk watch should I say in light of uh, everything everything has gone on this week with some players on the roster but yeah I want to get uh, some of your takes on the Wizards game first I mean I don't know I came away from that game feeling maybe a little bit different I mean the Pelicans are, are so bad right now that, like, any win is meaningful. But, oh, my God, that Wizards team was horrible. I mean, they <laughs> oh, yeah. they, no, I agree with they started Jordan Bell. Like, that. Jordan Bell, I think, was the player who spent the most time guarding Zion Williamson of any player on that roster. Jordan Bell was on the Erie Bayhawks, like, two weeks ago. I mean, that, that roster, besides Bradley Beal, you know, right now, is just, like, you know – G League castoffs, like guys we just picked off the street. I mean, it's it's Bradley Beal and just a lot of randos. I mean, I think they had six guys out because of the NBA's health and safety protocols. Russell Westbrook rested. He was on the second night of a back to back. Russ has been like pretty awful this year. He's he's probably been the worst high paid guy in the NBA. I think it's between him and Blake Griffin. Uh, But I mean, that was a depressing, depressing-ass roster, and, you know, the Pelicans came out and, and did what they were supposed to do. I mean, they were up double digits after the first quarter, but it just felt like like there was, I mean, they were even up, like, 20 late in the third quarter. I, I just don't understand how, you know, they they had this team, like, down big, and, and they let them even threaten in the fourth quarter. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm, like, nitpicking too much, but I was like, how did you even let this sorry team you know within 10 points or like how did they how did they make you even like sweat at all in the fourth quarter well I mean Bradley
1: Beal had 24 points in the third quarter on his own <laughs> that's how they did it but uh can you even name because I had to look it up because I I remember for, forgot what its name actually was can you name their second leading scorer in that game
0: uh, Garrison Matthews. It was Garrison
1: Matthews. Oh, that was a, that was a guess, man. That was a shot at <laughs> the in fighting the dark. Garrison Matthews, uh, sniper guy you've probably <laughs> never heard of. I. Uh, it was funny because oh, and I was watching it. Antonio Daniels would be like Garrison Matthews again. That's what he's out there for. And I'm like, no, it's not. He's out there because they have no one else. Um, I, th- I actually thought he he, he uh, in that circumstance he played as well as you could hope. Uh, but yeah, I mean the, the Wizards. They, they showed a little fight, you know, the, the Raul Neto out there with this one-for-seven shooting. And I did appreciate the Brooke Lopez-Jackson-Hayes matchup because when they played each other, it was like Sideshow Bob facing his uncle. Robin Lopez. Um, sideshow Rob, huh? Yeah, Robin Lopez. Did I say Brooke? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> Brooke Robin is Lopez.
0: tonight. Brooke is tonight. Yes.
1: I, we I, get them back-to-back. Back. I, I don't have any excuse for mixing them up because even though they are identical twins, they couldn't look more different. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I kind of, I kind of had that like sideshow Bob versus sideshow Rob feeling. Uh, so it was, it was a good thing, but all in all, the, I, the, what you can say about that game is the Pelicans had an opportunity to really embarrass themselves about as, about as badly as you can. And they didn't. Uh, so that's
0: good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good that they like tried and gave effort uh, coming off of w- one of the worst losses in franchise history. I mean, that, that loss to Minnesota. I mean, it was just, it was just inexcusable. It was awful. Um, I will say, I want to, I want to tweak one of my takes from that night. Uh, you know, I was kind of banging the drum like, Oh, they lost at Minnesota, even though Minnesota didn't have Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell uh, in, in hindsight, maybe it kind of helped that they didn't have D'Angelo Russell. I mean, D'Angelo Russell has been god awful this year. I mean, his on/off is like uh, among the highest in the league. Like they're like they're like getting outscored by like twelve point two points per hundred possessions with him with him uh, off of the floor or with him on the floor. So I think it might have been one of those situations where like they were actually a better team that D'Angelo Russell wasn't out there. But still, there are no excuses for that one. Yeah, I mean, when when you want to look at this game and say, well, this
1: is a bad Wizards team, is this team actually worse? than the Timberwolves team they played the other night. Maybe. I don't know. Timberwolves didn't have anyone approaching the talent level of a Bradley Beal, um, which, which like, hashtag free Bradley Beal because I feel so bad for that guy. Dude, there was a picture on the broadcast at the end of the game after <laughs> we dropped 47 points. He was just, like, uh,
0: on the bench. And yeah. uh, I don't know. I think the Wizards have lost 10 straight games when he's gone for 40 points or more. I mean, obviously, you know, that that issue is mostly about the talent around Bradley Beal, but I don't know. I mean, when you're like the Max guy too, like you're, I mean, I'm not saying like there was anything he could have done about Wednesday night, but like when you're the Max guy, I mean, I, I guess I'm just wondering like how much of a, uh, a floor raiser is Bradley Beal. I mean, I think he's definitely like a guy who raises your ceiling, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to like criticize Bradley Beal after he just like went nuclear uh, with freaking Jordan Bell and and Garrison Matthews next to him. I'll just yeah. I'll just keep it moving. I mean,
1: to <laughs> an extent, I don't think there is a floor raisable floor raiser capable of raising that Wizards
0: roster to like a yeah. playoff team. Maybe LeBron James, and that's it. That might be the list. Yeah, probably. Uh, he kind of feels like Anthony
1: Davis on the Pelicans a lot of these years. They obviously play different positions, but it's like you would watch him out there. and It's like, yo, he's great. Team sucks. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, this isn't a Bradley Beal
0: podcast, even though it could be. And we're definitely not talking about Anthony Davis on the Pelicans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> before we get into our uh, our stonks, I thought we should mention that this week the Athletic reported that the Pelicans are showing an openness to trade talks uh, about Lonzo Ball and J.J. Redick. Others have reported that Eric Bledsoe could be available too. Um, Look, I've pretty much operated under the assumption since very early in the season that that Lonzo Ball is probably not going to be a part of this team. Um, You know, past the trade trade deadline, I would be very surprised. Um, I think I think teams you know around the league took notice of when he signed with Rich Paul and like, look, that's just a guy who is not going to take like bargains. Like their reputation is like, we're going to aggressively try to get every single dollar we can in free agency, which is what your agent should do. But I think, I think, you know, teams around the league are like a little worried about um, having to, you know, potentially like give Lonzo ball the bag when he really hasn't even put one good season together from start to finish. Um, So it's going to be interesting to monitor. I mean, I think, I mean, this team's 6-10. and 10. They're just not very good. It, it doesn't make sense to hold on to J.J. Redick. Um, and I think, you know, eventually we're probably going to get to the point where, you know, some some pathways are cleared for their young guys, as as they probably should. Yeah, and so one, as,
1: as, we, as you talk about trades, one thing to keep in mind is because of the 2020 season, some of these trade um, dates that would be, like, three months when you were a veteran signing a a new contract before the season, you can't be traded before three months. That's different this season. So one date to look at is February 6th, because that will be the day that veterans who signed before this season, uh, at least for most will be available. So like, for instance, uh, I floated kind of a joke tweet the other day about, Oh, could the saints, I'm sorry, the Pelicans bring back to Marcus cousins because he can't play next to Christian wood. We're going to see him twice in the next week. Uh, he couldn't technically be traded until February 6th because he signed a free agent contract for the season. So I'm saying this because that could be a factor. As a team tries to work out a trade, there may be guys that they can't actually trade for right now. So, you know, it's only a week away. And if you're looking for kind of an indication of when a trade might start to develop, that's a date to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I think there's, there's definitely going to be... A lot of activity I mean when you're when you're at this point and like you know when you're this bad and your your first round pick is not even cracking the rotation then I think that's just something that uh that makes sense and when you know when that that news came out I mean I wasn't I wasn't that surprised um I was maybe a little bit surprised that it, it came out as early as it did but um yeah maybe that was the the only part about it um but you know it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, Alonzo does end up getting moved. Where he goes, um, I think. You know, he's a player who. You know, I, I go back and forth on like, could he be successful in the right context? Like, you know, a Golden State where they have great shooting in the backcourt, um, and you know, maybe they need a little bit of perimeter defense, or like a Portland, I think, is a team where like, you know, maybe could be a context for a good context for him too. I mean, obviously they have two dynamic backcourt scorers. Um, and they're, you know, usually a, a pretty bad defensive team. My my favorite uh fake trade scenario is trying to find ways for the Pelicans to get Zach Collins in in one of these deals. Um just kind of buying low on a on a big who, you know, if he's if he stays healthy, maybe could be a guy who protects the rim and, and shoot a little bit. But uh I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see where where Alonso goes. And like honestly man, I'm I'm rooting for him. Like he's had a, a crazy life. Like he's he's one of the things I've learned about covering him is he's extremely famous, man. Like a, like every day he wakes up and he checks Instagram, I'm sure, you know, he sees like the freaking hundred feeds that are dedicated to only covering the Lonzo Ball news. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, he, he just has like a, a weird life because he's just like an NBA player, like trying to make it and find his place. Um, and he's still just like is under the spotlight to this degree.
1: There's one trade, like, rumor that I think is purely about getting Lonzo Ball back to California, Uh, and it's the, there's this idea that the Saints, I keep saying the Saints, the Pelicans might trade for Kelly Oubre and send Lonzo back to Golden State, or Lonzo to Golden State, and, and Kelly Oubre goes back to New Orleans. And it's like, it's too perfect of a, oh, look, they're both going home for it not to be like mostly fake like it's not to be like planted by uh by zoanon as you would call them i think that's i think that's what's happening but because it it wouldn't make any sense the the pelicans are a team that needs wing shooting and kelly uber is quite literally the worst shooter in the nba right now (laughs) uh He's, like, I think he's shooting, like, 20% for the three-point line.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's but, interesting, man. He was, like, really good with Phoenix last year. Um, he was. He's, he's fallen he off was. a cliff. He's fallen
1: off a cliff. It's bizarre. He went and joined the best shooter in, like, NBA history. And and maybe, like, maybe Steph Curry has the ability to, like, sap the shooting talent out of everyone but Clay Thompson. Um, that's, that's my working theory is they have some, like, space jam techniques going on over there.
0: Yeah, I don't uh, – I don't know that that you know, Zo would would help solve their problems of like you know lack of shooting around Steph Curry. Um, I you know like one of the the big questions around him is like how real was that thirty eight percent he shot from three last year? I mean there were the mechanical changes that happened. Um, I just don't know. He showed some positive signs in uh, in Wednesday's win before he exited the game with the ankle issue. Um, but uh, do you want to get into these uh, these stocks? Yeah, let's play Robin Hood except not take away uh,
1: everything that worked.
0: So I sorted these guys just by minutes played per game, um, and I just simply want to do stock up, down, or holding steady. Um, First up on the list is Brandon Ingram. Um, I was feeling strongly one way um, to start the year, I think I've I've since felt a little bit different, but I want to let you go first. Um, What are your thoughts on on Brandon Ingram this year compared to last?
1: Well, you know, since this is a stock watch and you have to look at kind of where things are, compared to last year, his stock is way higher. But that's because it was all very low at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, it's Skyrocket. But he's on a max deal now. So. You know, there's only so much higher you can go once you get that max deal because you have to play for that max deal. So, you know, if anything, it's, yeah, it's steadied it down just because he, after starting in a uh, trajectory that looked like he could be an MVP candidate, he's come back down to earth. He's had a few duds. He hasn't played in a way that, you know, elevated the Pelicans to wins. Uh, and that's just a fact especially in these close games. Um he almost pulled them out against the Pacers and it was not his fault that they lost that game. He almost carried them to to back to the win even after they blew it, but uh yeah, I mean he's been very very good, but I can't I can't say his stock is up from where it was. Uh so he's taken a bit of a a bit of a dip and I think he's kind of climbed back up in the last uh last game or so.
0: Yeah, I almost forgot about him getting those MVP chance early in the year. I mean, these games are just happening so quickly that, like, I, I forget what happened, you know, the week before, I, you know, so, so rapidly. But, um, yeah, I, I said holding steady, too. Um, you know, I would have definitely said stock up after, like, the first 10 games. Um, I think I saw early in the year some real development as a playmaker. Here's what I would say about Brandon Ingram after watching him closely and intensely for like a little more than a year now. I think Brandon Ingram is at his best when he's playing like, I don't even know the word for it, like caffeinated, quick basketball. Like the times I see him struggle are where he's just playing like a tick slow. Like I I, I don't like when he's very deliberate with his decision making. Like when when the ball gets swung to him and he just holds it for two seconds before doing anything else, like – I don't like the ball-stoppy version of Brandon Ingram as much as the one who, you know, is just, like, has that .5 mentality, the Spurs kind of call it, like either figure out if you're going to pass, dribble, or shoot in, you know, .5 seconds of receiving the ball. I mean, I just, I just want him to play quicker. I think that's when he's at his best. And another thing, too, is, you know, he has, he's, he has a really hard job because, like, no one else around him besides Zion can score consistently, but he's gotten a little mid-range happy, too, and that was something I saw in the win over Washington. He got up 12 threes in that game. I mean, the Pelicans came into that game averaging third to fewest uh, three-point attempts in the NBA. I mean, one way for them to be getting up more threes is for their best shooter on the roster. I mean, I guess I, I should say best shot maker because J.J. Redick's the best shooter, but it's for, it's for Brandon Ingram to shoot more threes.
1: Yeah, and, and like you said, to be decisive about them, there was at least three in that game that the Wizards tried to go under the screen and he just stopped and popped, and these are good shots. you know. He gets in trouble when he starts to take contested shots that you could get at any point, and I think that's, to me, that is the biggest thing with Brandon Ingram, where when he's playing well, he's not settling for the shots that he knows he can get at any point. He's creating for others, and he's getting good shots for himself. When he's dribbling into the lane with, 14 seconds on the shot clock and putting up from 12 feet, you can get that shot anytime if you're Brandon Ingram. It's the same with the Kevin Durant when you're that long, you know you can get it, but that's not a shot you should settle for uh, when there are better options available. So I think I think I agree with you there. Uh, stock holding steady. He, if I had to give him a brand, I would give him Doritos.
0: You know what you're gonna get not always great, but <laughs> you're never you're never sad about it uh one of the things I've reported on even dating back to last year is like even even last season when Ingram basically won the most improved player award because he added a killer three-point shot the Pelicans wanted him to take more threes um you know I have to imagine that hasn't stopped this season I mean he's taking fewer this season than he did last year like they want him to be getting up seven or eight threes per game so this is kind of on bi I mean the, the coaches encourage him to to launch from distance they think he's capable um I He's a much-improved uh, pull-up three-point shooter this year compared to the last two. Um, he's up above 40% on pull-up threes. Um, you know, he's made one fewer than he did all of last season and, you know, we're about a quarter of the way in. So pull that thing, Brandon Ingram. Don't have a conscience for behind the arc because that's what I'm trying to say. Um, let's move on to Zion Williamson. Um, quick stat for you. I was, I was going through some of his numbers today. He leads the league in points in the paint by three full points. He's averaging eighteen and a half points per game in the paint. Andre Drummond is at fifteen and a half. That's insane. That's insane. Twenty years old and like he's just that dominant on the interior. How many of his total points come in the paint though? Oh, I mean I mean, what's he averaging? I'm not I'm not looking at it, but like he's averaging like twenty four, so like, you know, three quarters, if not more. Right. And I'm sure a lot of that is free throws. Free throws. Right. <laughs> I mean he's made Uh, one
1: maybe two threes uh one he's made one yeah so (laughs) you you're probably talking under 10 points of what he's scored this year is not a in the paint or free throw um so there is a reason he's leading the league in points in the paint because he doesn't try to score outside of the paint
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i think this is like an interesting thing to talk about i mean i don't know like i'm i'm like he's already he's so good at this thing that of course you'd like him to like add stuff but like you know he's already so good at this thing it's like okay like let's just figure out how to make this to me it's like let's just figure out how to make this easier for you to do this thing that you're already really really good at and you know I think that will come in time that's uh you know why I talked about the Zach Collins thing and like I think you got to be opportunistic about adding a big who can stretch the floor because He's just he never gets minutes with a big open stretch of floor, and I'm not criticizing Stephen Adams. He's been great this year, but at, at some point, you hope those minutes are going to come. Um, but I don't know. All of that is to say that uh, Zion has is, is come around a little bit, um, but I would I would probably say holding steady. I mean he he still pretty much to me looks like the same dude he was last year. Um, you know maybe maybe before the bubble, like the bubble the bubble was kind of an an outlier thing. Um, but, yeah, what are your thoughts? I disagree.
1: I think the stock is up. And there's one specific reason, uh, and that's health. So it was impossible to really commit to saying, okay, we can we can expect something really impressive from Zion this season until you saw him healthy. You, until this season started, we're only 15, 16 games in, uh, he'd never— played extended games other than you know there's that stretch last season but again you know he was on a minute restriction for a lot of it he missed a few games and they had the pause he came back to the bubble he didn't look right he missed a few games <laughs> he was on a minutes restriction and but this season you have not seen that and as much as the pelicans have struggled at times he has not had any issues in being limited in these games and i think there was one game he missed but uh in generally i think that if you're david griffin and you're sitting there like trying to figure out what you have in Zion Williamson, you have to be thrilled, even with a six and ten record, that this guy has looked as healthy and as consistent as he has. You know, I think there's still some fitness issues at times that he, he's not quite uh, at the level he could be at. But uh, the fact that there have been no hiccups in the in the kinetic chain uh, <laughs> and stuff like that, <laughs> you have to I have to think that his stock is way up.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, he's playing 33 minutes a game right now, which is, you know, good. That's what you need from him. I mean, that's almost five minutes more per game this year compared to last. Um, I, I think you're right that it's, like, a win in itself that, like, he looks like he can definitely handle this type of workload, which is just, like, a normal workload for a star in the NBA. Um, so I definitely hear you there. Um he's, he's just, he's just still not in. I mean, I, I guess like it takes time and he's just, he's played so few games at the NBA level, but like, to me, he doesn't look like the shape he was in at Duke. Um, the defense is a real problem right now. Um, Sam McGundy said before Wednesday that Zion, you know, had his, had his best defensive practice of the season. That was encouraging. Um, you know, Stan, Stan pretty much called out Brandon Ingram and Zion for, you know, their defensive effort and aptitude after that loss to the Timberwolves. I mean, I think that's that's kind of a problem from those two guys right now. Um, we did see in that, that Washington game, Zion got one of those, like, he tipped it out like uh, a scoop and score, which you just – you have so rarely seen from him in a Pelicans uniform. Like, I feel like that was the type of play that you saw twice a game when he was at Duke, you know? Like, you know, he's, he's defending on the perimeter and they try to swing it to his guy – and he's able to get his hand on it and he just takes it the other way for a dunk. Like, I just feel like I've seen so little of that in a Pelicans uniform. Yeah, the foot speed hasn't been there. Um, he's, I think he's leaning
1: a lot. Uh, I don't know if he's playing at a, I, he has to be at a heavier weight than he was in college. I don't know how much it is, you know, if it's 10 pounds, if it's 20 pounds, and if that's affecting him. There was a play, uh, I tweeted a video of it, <laughs> that he had, uh, he had Bradley Beale out on the perimeter. And that's obviously a mismatch, but. It shouldn't be that much of a mismatch. Where Bradley Beal didn't even didn't even put down the ball. He just you know jab stepped to the right and like uh, faked the ball that way. And Zion went three feet uh, <laughs> to his left, and Bradley Beal got an open three. And it's like it, if you're Zion Williamson, you're six six, you should be able to move with that guy. You're not a seven footer, and he can't he can't do that. Um, he can't even make it difficult on Bradley Beal in that situation. Uh, so that that's going to be an issue, and who knows how they develop, how they get to it. But as I said, you have to be healthy to improve <laughs> in those situations, and uh, I think this is the first time in his career that he has been that for an extended period of time.
0: Yeah. Uh, what What did you think about Alex Len just trying to ride him like a mechanical bull there in the fourth quarter? I right, no comment. One of our One of our photographers got a really good shot of that. Um, it looks like Zion is being like the face he's making it looks like he's being propelled into space like that's like the it's like the face <laughs> astronauts make when you know they're going like a million miles an hour and being launched straight up in the air um i'm, I'm glad he's okay that was that was a bs foul man i mean that was uh like he, he was just trying to throw him to the ground basically and uh i think i think zion is kind of like shack and that he's so strong that like people people think it's okay to just like rough them up more than they would any other normal player. And uh I mean I think that's a real concern concern that like officials have to watch out for is like you can't let like other other guys just like get away with stuff just because Zion is is so freaking strong. I mean I, I really do think they have to watch out for that.
1: Yeah, and and one thing is, you know, Zion, unlike a guy like LeBron, is not out there constantly berating the refs about not getting foul calls. And while that's nice to see from a fan Context and from a oh okay he's not stopping playing defense so he can complain that he got hacked you know it's not helpful for him in the sense that he wants to get those calls and uh, I think as as annoying as it might be getting in the ref's ear about those situations and making sure they're looking for it is helpful to you throughout the course of the game so I don't know I, there was a I want to say maybe it was the second Jazz game that he was uh, that he was going after the refs a little bit uh, but you know. I think that there needs to be something uh, done to uh, make sure that he's getting these calls, (laughs) whether uh, Stan has to go the LeBron route of sending tape into the NBA so the officials can review it. I don't know,
0: but uh, it seemed to work for him. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Zion, Zion should learn how to act. Stan is trying. I mean, he had two straight games where he complained about it publicly. So he's, uh, he's doing his part. Um, Let's talk about Lonzo Ball. I don't know how you could argue anything, but his stock has been down this year for reasons that you know I've I've banged the d- the drum pretty consistently on the three ball is not falling. Um, he has no counter really. I mean his counter is to like try mid range jump shots, which I just don't think is. I mean even in like when a few go in, I just don't think that's like that sustainable or a, a, as. A, an effective strategy. I mean, his
1: counter is basically what everyone agreed as a unit. We weren't going to do anymore f- like a decade yeah. ago.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, clearly it's down like, like, let's be honest. They're, they're looking to move him. Um, I will say, I mean, I think that first half against Washington before he turned his ankle was one of his, his best halves of the season. He got three threes to go down. He's a good defender, man. I mean, um, I mean, he, he clearly, I think is the best perimeter defender on this roster right now. He did a good job of chasing Bradley Beal all around Um, Beal, you know, kind of got going when it was Eric Bledsoe on him in the third quarter. So that's, you know, if they do end up moving on from Alonzo, that's one of my question marks is like, I mean, they're already a bad defensive team. I mean, are they, are they even worse in terms of perimeter defense without him? I mean, it depends, depends what you get back, but because
1: uh, you have to imagine they get something back. But I have to say that I am astounded by how much value a lot of people seem to think Lonzo Ball will have on the trade market as a guy on the final year of his deal. He's in his rookie, and he's in option season of his rookie contract. So you're trading for a rental of Lonzo Ball. I saw someone float the idea yesterday that they should trade Lonzo Ball for Michael Porter Jr., bowl, bowl, and a second-round pick. And he was serious. I was like, what? Well, hey, they should. I agree. <laughs> yeah. The Nuggets offered that. He should have been out of town like three days ago. But, like, that's just not what you can expect. I mean, I think that is probably the biggest issue with trying to trade Lonzo Ball is, you know, we're talking about stocks. You're short-selling something after taking a huge loss on it. Right, like if you buy a stock and the stock goes down immediately and then you sell it, you're taking a bath on it. But if you don't think it's going to get any higher, you know, you're, you sell it at the point the highest point you think it's going to get. And they just, you know, he just hasn't been able to be consistent. And I think the Pelicans are going to take a bath in this trade, wh- whatever it is, if they end up trading it.
0: Yeah, so, um, I, I will say that, like, I think the thing that David Griffin has shown he's really good at, it. and I think there's, you know, some stuff you can quibble at, but, like, that man can execute a trade. So, like, that's one thing I'll say I have uh, some confidence in. He, like, he's good at getting stuff back, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, his his value is really, really low right now. Um, like I said earlier, I mean, teams, teams are just worried about the kind of deal he's going to want after the season. He's a restricted free agent, which means, you know, anybody who gets him, like, They've got to be thinking about, like, okay, so what are we going to have to pay this guy after this year? Um, So I'll just leave it at that. Um, Let's talk about Steven Adams. Um, One of the things I, I love and appreciate about Steven Adams after, like, watching him very, very closely since he became Pelicans is just how hard that dude goes after rebounds. Like, it's just whenever the Pelicans are shooting free throws and Steven Adams is in the game, just watch him and all the tricks he tries to pull to get the offensive rebound after the free throw. Like he's juking guys out. He's like pulling them back. He's pulling the chair out from under people. Um, I just enjoy his little tricks to get on the boards. He had 18 rebounds against Washington. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a great rebounder. He's a great dirty work guy. Um, look, I know the fit isn't the cleanest on, on this roster, but, uh, He's just a guy I enjoy watching, man. He's been uh, he's been as good and as steady as advertised.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said about Steven Adams, except for the part where I think his, his stock has gone up or holding steady, because I don't think it has, and it has nothing to do with him as a player. It has to do with how the Pelicans have performed around him. When they traded for him, one of the things that I was hoping for was, you know, even if they're going to have a lot of issues in spacing and on that end of the floor, you would hope that this would help create a more stable a more consistent defensive unit overall on the whole. And I just there have been too many games where I haven't seen that. And uh it's not about whether his value as a player has changed. I think that that you're correct that stayed the same. It's whether his value as a Pelicans player for me is uh, has gone up and I don't think it has because it just hasn't fit the way that you would hoped. And if you're bad if you're bad in spacing, you can't also be bad on defense because that's the give and take. They have to they have to offset each other, and in a lot of these games, they haven't, especially in the second half. So I don't think it's gone down a lot, but it's sunk a bit in my mind because I didn't expect them to struggle this much defensively early on.
0: One thing I'll say about the defense is, I mean, look, they have issues even when when Steve is out there, but like I think I think Steven is like doing his job on that end of doing it well. I mean. Their their real problems are when he goes to the bench, like they just have no viable alternative at backup center. I mean, Jackson Hayes is a ways away. Like go, you know, go to clean the glass if you have one of those accounts and like look at like the percentage of shots they give up at the rim when Steven goes to the bench. Look at just like the percentage of what opponents shoot. I mean, it's like, it's, it's kind of astounding, like the difference in New Orleans interior defense with Steven Adams on the court and with him off. Which, you know, Jackson Hayes is still a young guy, still learning, but like, it's it's pretty bad, man. I mean, it's their their defense when they go to those lineups with with Zion and Jackson Hayes both. Like, it is it's pretty it's pretty brutal. I mean, we know you know Zion's struggles are well documented, and and Jackson Hayes is not covering up any of those mistakes.
1: No, and it's like it's it's the deep it's the uh, like the rotation you go to when you're hoping to get out in transition. (laughs) Uh, because that's really the only way they're gonna score easily uh, with that group, but yeah, I, I mean, I I think Steven Adams is great. Uh, I just the team defense has struggled too much in too many games to uh, to not hold it at least somewhat against a guy who's supposed to be a defensive anchor. You know, like that's if you're if you're the start scorer and the offense struggles, you get that. If you're the you know the start quarterback and the team struggles, you're gonna get that. I think when you're the defensive anchor and the defense struggles, you're gonna get that.
0: What do you think about Eric Bledsoe? I mean, this is one I think you could pick one of two things on. I think you could argue for up, or I think you could argue for holding steady. I mean, what do what do you what do you just think about his impact um, game to game right now?
1: Eric Bledsoe is exactly who I thought Eric Bledsoe was. You know, I he's a guy who's he's a great athlete. He can get up on you on defense. He can drive the ball. Um, not a consistent shooter. Not a great ball handler when he's or at least facilitator not a great passer um but he's a good guy to have I think he's a really good scorer for you know anytime Brandon Ingram's off the floor I think having a guy like Eric Bledsoe was very very important um I don't know I I just I wish he was a better shooter I wish he was a slightly better shooter and it would change the it would change the dynamic so much and
0: he's just not that. so yeah here's the thing about him he's he's quietly shooting 40% on on almost five attempts per game. I mean, they're they're going down and like he was taking them confidently against Washington and it looked good, but I think, you know, what you're kind of getting at is like no one fears him as a catch right. and shoot shooter. Like he doesn't have, you know, like that gravity where guys are like, "Oh god, I better I better be hugging Eric Bledsoe, um, you know, when Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram have the ball and they're like about to start their attack." I mean, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't inspire fear. I mean, I think he's like I think he's a perfectly fine player. Um, One thing I will say is like, I think there was this idea out there that when, you know, they kind of swapped out Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe that like, oh, there's, there's not really going to be like a a drop off in perimeter defense. I mean, Eric Bledsoe is a guy who just made um, an all defensive team. And, you know, I think I even entertain that a little bit, but I, I, I'll have to say after, you know, watching this Drew Holiday is a, a much better defender and like, even in the regular season, like I know, like at their peaks, like obviously Drew Holiday is a better defender than Eric Bledsoe. Like I get that, but like even even the baseline, like I don't even I don't even think it's close. I mean, I know Brad Beal is like, you know, having a like a Kobe Bryant 2005 2006 like type scoring season right now, but man, that was that was tough to watch in the third quarter. Um, and you know, I guess like you know, the Eric Bledsoe and Drew Holiday thing, like, it really has reinforced for me, and maybe this is something I was a little off-base about, like, defense is such a team thing. Like, Eric Bledsoe had, you know, the best backline defenders in the NBA, Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo behind him. Like, those dudes cover up a lot of mistakes, and, like, even if you get beat on the perimeter, it's hard for a a ball handler to score inside against those guys. I mean, the Pelicans don't really have that, and especially when Steven Adams goes to the bench. So... Yeah, defense is a, uh, it's a team thing, man. And I I get like, I get why I guess, um, you know, fans and some media members were frustrated that Drew didn't make the all-defensive team last year, which maybe was something I missed on. I'll just be honest.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really hard to put perimeter defense into perspective into into context and kind of just figure out, okay, is this good or is this bad? Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think, when you when you kind of see the replacement level guy, which I think you know, when you talk about like wins above replacement, I think Eric Bledsoe is probably right at that line of like a one, uh, and you, you you see the difference there uh, because when you put him in there, you can see just you know there's probably a couple games a year where you're gonna end up needing that extra little kick on defense and you don't have it, but yeah, I I think he's steady. I, the Pelicans' issues aren't Eric Bledsoe issues uh you, he is what he is he is what he knew you were when he got here he's shot better than i thought he would but it's still you know it's it's the eric Butzo that you expect he is not mini lebron i mean
0: i i didn't make up that nickname other people did <laughs> i i did not make up that nickname i'm but just i was just it back telling you
1: to, you brought it back to the to the mainstream
0: yeah, I was just t- I was just informing you that that was out there, man. I mean, it's on his basketball reference page, but yeah, that's we're uh we're a long way ways away removed from the uh the mini LeBron days. Um, you know, I I think he's a a fine player. It's just yeah, him and you know, him and Lonzo together, I think there's like something just kind of uh especially underwhelming about that duo. I mean, neither I think you know, Eric can be like a good attacker, but he doesn't do it every single night. Like there are just a lot of nights where they're both kind of minus attackers, and like defenses just don't don't fear them. Is the best way I could put it. Um, let's talk about Josh Hart. Um, I think you know his season has kind of gone under the radar a little bit because like so many guys on this roster have been like bad and struggling. But I think you know this is an example of clearly uh stocked down and you know I think a lot of people are wondering like well why didn't they agree to an extension with with Josh Hart before the season what the heck um I I just how are you feeling about him now I mean he's slashing like from the field 43 from the field 35 from 369 from the free throw line um he's he's just really struggled in the offensive end I mean I know you know he's does a lot of good things on defense but it's, it's just tough to watch him on offense a lot of nights.
1: Yeah. Josh Hart's frustrating because I really like Josh Hart.
0: Me too. <laughs> he's Everybody a very likable
1: guy. I think he's a good locker room guy. He's always hustling. He's always playing defense. And I think for a team that really struggles to have any uh, defensive kind of teeth, you know, attitude, uh, he is probably the one guy that does bring that. Um, other than maybe Steven Adams but yeah the shooting is a problem uh, I think the field goal percentage is uh, for a guard I don't really care about it's the three point percentage and it's the uh, you know efficiency from zones and the problem with Josh Hart is he has to be a wing and he has to be able to space to the corner he can't do it uh, you saw he hit a big shot against the Wizards that kind of took away any hope they had. It was a huge shot. Yeah. I think they had cut it to eight and that really, and I thought for a minute there that they were going to have their most embarrassing loss in years. Um, And he, or,
0: or since Saturday, no, it would have been more embarrassing. (laughs) Saturday.
1: (laughs) They led by, at least they led in this game, you know, like they were down the whole way against the Timberwolves. And they were on the road, the final game of a seven-game road road trip. This one, they had extra days off going into it. <laughs> and uh, and they led by like 24. Uh, anyway, he hit that shot and kind of iced it. But you saw where that shot came from. It came from above the break. It's, he, he can't seem to shoot below the break, and he needs to. That's, that's his role in yeah. spacing as a wing in that offense. And he just can't seem to do it. He's shooting about 30% from the corners, and uh, that's a problem. And until he can do that, I don't think – or he's in a situation where he can be the two, uh, like the legit two, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the weird things about his career, I mean, he's in year four. uh, He shot 39% from three as a rookie, and it's just, you know, quietly tailed off after that. I mean, really, I mean, the difference for him between, I think, being like, you know, kind of like a middle-of-the-road guy and like a a positive impact guy every night – is is frankly like it just comes down to like being a little more of a threat from from behind the three point arc. I mean like I don't I honestly don't know, you know, what his offseason regimen is like, but like that that's really all it comes down to for him, man. I mean, he he does a lot of things well. Um, you know, good transition attacker, he can get downhill a little bit. I mean, tough tough player, um can switch, he can rebound, but like he just got to be able to hit the three a little more consistently. I mean, I hope, you know, this coming off season um, he just locks himself in the gym and makes himself make like a thousand threes a day. I mean, I, it sounds like reductive, but I really do think that's kind of, that's kind of what it is for him uh, right now at this point. Um, JJ Reddick. I think uh, we both know the answer on this one uh, down. Let me just, let me just ask you this. I mean, like, do you think JJ Reddick is, is going to turn it around this year? Like I, I hate to say this, but like, I mean, do you, do you think he's cooked or, you know, if he does get moved to like a contender and the quality of shots are a little bit easier, I mean, do you see him being that 40% guy from three again?
1: So JJ Redick had a steal and got out in transition and pulled up and hit a very pretty, uh, shot against the, the wizards. And I, and I'm answering your question in the, uh, Aaron Sorkin, start from the end, style. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's the J.J. Redick that I remembered. That's the guy that would change the dynamic for the Pelicans on offense in a lot of situations. And that's just not a guy who exists right now. That was his one three-pointer made over the last two games. He won for 10. 10% over two games. You could, probably could go back in J.J. Redick's career and count on one hand the number of times he shot 10% or worse over a two-game stretch. And... I don't know. I'd like to find out that there's something else going on with JJ Redick, you know, whether he has an injury, he's not telling people about or something because it's, it's hard. I can't believe that he just can't shoot anymore. Um, And I think it's in a lot of situations, he's not getting good shots. And I think that's a big difference this year compared to last year where they're not out in transition as much as they were and they don't have the defense scrambling and, uh, he's not getting those catch and shoot looks that he was. He's running off screens to get any looks at the basket, and then when he does get an open look, he's not in rhythm, and he's missing those shots. I think I'd like to think that that's what it is, um, but it's gone on for so long, and it's so consistently bad that who knows? As a shooter, do you just <laughs> is it like when you're a when you're a pitcher? And suddenly you can't throw 98 and you're down to 95 and then you're just, you know, laying meatballs over the middle of the plate. Uh, is, it, is it like that with a shooter? Do you just lose that little bit and you don't have that consistency? I don't I don't think so, but that's what it feels like. Um, so I don't know when you're talking about his stock. Can it
0: get much lower than it has? Uh, no, I don't think so. That's why I'm buying right now. I feel right. I feel very like I'll just I I feel pretty strongly that like you know if, if JJ doesn't end up getting moved to a Brooklyn to the Clippers to the Lakers a team like that like I think that three point percentage is going to look great I'm I'm with you that I think like the bigger deal like in terms of like is he just missing shots or is it the quality of shots I think it's very much the quality of shots I mean sure there there he could be making a few more right now but like I just don't see him getting clean looks to be honest with me I I don't see him getting any rhythm threes and you know when he plays with like an elite creator like a like a LeBron or you know if he goes to Brooklyn and he's got like multiple elite creators on the floor I think that thing's going to shoot way back up I I just I just refuse to believe that JJ Redick is cooked I mean I think he's like in my short amount of time doing this like he's the most obsessed with like routine and and staying in shape like he's kind of like Ray Allen in terms of like his preparation his dedication to his routine so no I don't I, I refuse to believe that, like, oh, this is J.J. Reddick. He's done.
1: Right. And I think you made a good point there, which if you're a team that also thinks that way, now's the time, right? If, you, if you're trying to add a shooter, a wing shooter, a guy who you can bring off the bench and will not mind coming off the bench and gives you that veteran leadership, you know, a team like the Nets is a good example. Like, they could get him for next to nothing uh, because – They have all the bargaining power, all the leverage. Uh, And I think that, you know, even if he's not quite as good at, you you could probably argue that at this point in his career, he's not going to be as effective coming off the screens and and taking a shot in the full sprint than he might have been a couple years ago. And that might be an explanation for, you know, why that percentage has gone down to some degree. And then the bad shots is another one. But most teams, you know, good teams won't need him to be that guy. Uh, They're going to need a guy who can just get there and knock down shots. And the team that already has guys spacing won't need him to do what the Pelicans need him to do. And I think that's the biggest part of the issue is he's got a very specific role in the Pelicans and he just can't seem to fill it. Um, So, yeah, I, I think that he's still a very useful guy. He's just doesn't he's not working right now for the Pelicans.
0: Uh, before we get to the, our last guy on this list, Jackson Hayes, um, I just wanted to make a statement as the CEO of Nicola Melli Industries. Um, we have filed for bankruptcy, and we're not taking any questions at this time. Um, maybe we will a couple of months down the road, but that's, that's the only thing we're going to say at Nicola Melli Inc. at this time, so no questions, please. They're currently waiting for a bailout. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, need, uh, we need federal and maybe even international relief. Uh, we might need we might need international relief. We need relief
1: in multiple languages and currencies.
0: Yeah, um, I think Nicole Mellie. I mean, it's like, man, I, I like the dude personally, but man, it 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 got so bad this year that I think he might be a guy who just. It's it's early. Or it's early. We'll see. But he, man, he might be a guy who's just back in Europe next year. I mean, yes, it, it's, it's a, it's a bummer.
1: Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't, I don't see a guy who looks like he's ready to impact the game. Like he's a guy who gets in there and does not look like he's having any positive impact, even against this, you know, the sec,
0: the scrubs, the second unit when they get in. Uh, and that's not great. Yeah, when he when he airballed that 10 footer in LA, that was the moment I was like, oh God. Oh God. Okay, so we don't have to talk about it anymore. It's it's depressing. Uh our boy, Jackson Hayes, the man who tries to murder the rim every single time he dunks, which you have to respect it. His shoulders are like his shoulders have to be elastic, man. I, I, I don't understand how he cocks the ball back as far as he cocks the ball back. It's crazy. He's a freak. Yeah, he had that one, uh, I can't remember which game, but he had, like, a trebuchet,
1: which I don't even know how. Like, I hurt my shoulder trying to just rotate that way. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, so the dunks, still really good. Everything else, Uh. I guess. I guess the rebounding is, like, an area you can point to where that's gotten better. But, like... In terms of him just like learning like, the inter- intricacies and like the finer points of the game, I still think there's uh, about as far to go this year as there were as there was last year.
1: Yeah, when you're a top ten pick, your stock's going to go down fast. It's just the way it is. Uh, and if you're a guy who doesn't show tangible improvement on both ends of the floor by year two, you're going to have your stock go down. Uh, I'm not selling. I think if you're a guy who was holding Jackson Hayes stock, I think you hold it. You know, you don't sell low. You ride it out. And uh, I think that's what the Pelicans are going to do here. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that the <laughs> – I think when you – if you have time, when you have time to kind of look back on the start of his career last year and what and what he did in the bubble and what he's done to begin the season this year, I think there are a lot more positive developments than might appear uh, just throughout the course of a game. Because especially, like you pointed out, from a rebounding perspective, he's battling much more effectively in the paint. He's still undersized, and that's something that he's just going to have to deal with. But I think that he has been a lot more effective, and he's not, getting, he's not becoming the source of incredibly easy buckets uh, as often as he was last year, uh, even though he still does get attacked in the paint a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you can't argue that his stock is up from where it was. Uh, but is it at its lowest point? I don't think so.
0: All right. Bef- before we get out of here real quickly, uh, but I think we missed one. Who'd we miss? Oh, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Nasif Alexander Walker. Yes.
1: Oh my God. The most important one. The star is risen
0: and then spins in the middle of the lane and gets blocked. Um, anyway. Yeah, I didn't. I like. I didn't even. I didn't even know what he was last year, um, because he just he just played so little. Like I didn't. I feel like I didn't even really get to make an evaluation because he couldn't make his way into the rotation. I mean, I'm. I think he's a really interesting player, man. I mean, he's just he's not a point guard. Um, you know, that's something like that's outside of his comfort zone that he's trying to learn to do right now. And maybe, you know, when they make a few trades, he gets shifted over to more of the two combo guard role. Um, but I would say, I mean, up, I guess, I mean, just, just, you know, solely because of that 37 point game. I mean, we saw the potential there, like the guy on certain nights can be like a, a a great shot maker. Um, so yeah, I would say up, I guess.
1: Yeah. Any, anytime you're a young player who is kind of an unknown and you score 37 points in a game, your stock is going to skyrocket just based on speculation, you know, because even even if you're not a guy who can do that consistently, the fact that you can is going to open people's eyes. And, uh, yeah, the issues with Nikhil that kept him off the floor, you know, you kind of wondered, okay, why isn't he getting minutes? I think it's pretty clear why he wasn't getting minutes, and it's because the way he plays, he's going to turn the ball over. You know, he's going to make some kind of bonehead moves. He had a pass the other day that just soared over J.J. Reddick's head majestically into the empty seats, you know, and – he has this weird habit of <laughs> driving driving into the paint and then spinning horizontally across the lane. I've never seen anyone do that, but he does it constantly. It's the strangest thing. It's as confusing as it is effective at times uh, when it works and when it doesn't. It's just like, what are you doing, man? But you know, I think he's got this kind of loping you know, characteristics to him. He watched a lot of Manu Ginobili tape. I can see the Manu Ginobili kind of uh, comparisons in terms of style when he's driving, when he's getting into the lane. Uh, Manu Ginobili is a guy who would make a lot of weird kind of funky moves in the paint too. Maybe that's where he got that little spin. But I, I think his stock's up. I mean, I think you have to at least be happy with the fact that he's been able to positively impact games because uh, when you talk about how negative the Jackson Hayes pick kind of looks right now, the 17, getting a guy who can be a scorer, you know, that's that's a very good
0: thing. Yeah, no, look, no question about it. I mean, he the guy is undeniably skilled. I mean, he, the, the decision-making is really the thing kind of holding him back. And, man, Sam McGundy's going to have a couple ulcers by the end of this year. I mean, that man hates turnovers. And uh, this is just a, a turnover-prone roster. And, yeah, man, Stan, Stan's just got to try to take the long view. Is, is all I can say, because there's just uh, there's just going to be some frustrating moments. It's it's a young team, and they do a lot of dumb stuff sometimes. Um, yeah. yeah,
1: I was worried about Alan Gentry's blood pressure the last few years, and uh, Stan's in the same boat. We need to get him, like, a monitor over on the sideline.
0: Just to, <laughs> it's like, no, nope, nope, Stan, you're in the red again. Calm, deep breaths, goose fraba right. I see Stan over there, like, I think he's, like, you can see him, like, almost telling himself, like, all right, I got to tone it down. Like, I can't <laughs> just, like, lose my shit anytime you know, we, we have a, a dumb tone of which there are many. Um, okay, real quick, uh, I don't want to look dumb, but what are your predictions for this, I think, interesting set of weekend games, Milwaukee and Houston? Uh, do you see 2-0? Do you see 1-1? One one, do you see 0-2? Well, yeah. So by the time I, by, by
1: the time people listen to this, this might have already happened. So skip over it uh, because we're gonna be wrong one way or the other. That's just how the game works. But I don't see any way the Pelicans keep tonight within 20. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to see the Pelicans showing up and uh, the Bucks not just taking them for a ride. But who knows? You know, maybe. I, I thought that when the Bucks came in last year and uh, Zion uh, kind of held his own, then they kept it. They kept it interesting. So maybe that happens again. But yeah, uh, that's. I think that's definitely a loss. And uh, the Rockets. I think the Pelicans. Uh, I think the Pelicans get the Rockets. I think the Rockets have been playing well since that trade. You know, they're like five and one. I think they're up to eight and nine in the season. But um, they don't. They play a brand of basketball that I think is going to fit the Pelicans the way the Pelicans want to play. Um, and uh, unless Victor Oladipo comes out and puts down 40, um, I think they can handle a guy like John Wall. And uh, Boogie's probably going to get ejected in the second quarter <laughs> for something stupid, for scowling at a ref, because that's terrifying on its own. But
0: I, I think one and one I think they're going to take one of these games. Okay. The Rockets are defending like since they made that trade, which has been the surprising thing to me. I think they're like second to defense since they made the hardened trade. Um, but they also didn't have Christian Wood for several of those games. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am personally fascinated by what the Christian Wood revenge game looks like. Like, I think, I think he's going to come out and, and be on a mission to, uh, to have a, a pretty big game in that one. That's uh that's all I'll say about that one. Um, so just, don't get cooked in the, in the potential Christian Wood revenge game.
1: Yeah. Well, is this, this isn't the first time Boogie's played in New Orleans. I think he can't. Is it? I don't, I don't. I mean, honestly, I don't know, but I can't imagine it is. I think he came back with the Warriors once, but he was hurt a lot of the time. So, like, even the teams he came back with, he wasn't necessarily on the floor. I have to check. I think he might have been here once with the Warriors, but there's still some resentment there. You, you weren't here for that.
0: Yeah, so that, was, that was before my
1: time. It was a thing. It was <laughs> so. Be prepared. I don't think he's gonna get booed the way he did last time because there's not that many people there to boo him. But uh, I think he's gonna have some motivation too. Wouldn't surprise me if he got a little worked up in that game.
0: Well, cool, man. Uh, you got anything else?
1: No, no. I uh, I'm probably gonna be in this in the uh, the blender tonight. So that'll Ooh. be interesting because they finally gave me a season ticket. So it's. Uh, I can actually go in there, but uh, it'll be interesting to watch. All
0: right. Well, appreciate you guys listening, and we will talk to you next week. Peace, y'all.